Hey there, and welcome to another episode of the Hockey Locker Podcast. I'm your host, Flash. Interact with me on Twitter at hockey underscore locker or email me at hockey locker podcast, all one word, at gmail.com. Welcome to episode three of the podcast. Uh, today, we're going to talk about a few things. Um, I am going to give you a report from the Capitals, Washington Capitals equipment sale uh, that I attended last week, uh, let you know uh, what I saw there. And uh, also, I want to talk about uh, a topic in Uh, hockey fitness and training. Uh, Basically, I want to talk about the major mistakes that I see a lot of guys, uh, a lot of players making uh, this offseason and what you can do to address that. But first, um, I want to answer a question that I got. Um, I had a question come in. Basically, it is, um, can you talk about the difference between retail gear and pro gear, retail gear versus pro stock gear? so uh, I've mentioned in earlier shows that I'm a, a collector, I guess, of uh, pro stock gear, but really, I'm not really a collector. I'm, I'm more um, interested in using um, pro stock gear in certain, um, under certain circumstances, not always, but, um, but uh, I do like to buy it to use, not just to collect. Um, so when do you choose one over the other. I mean, I guess the, in terms of the direct question that was asked, the the differences that I see, uh, between retail gear and pro stock gear, number one would be the build quality. Um, certainly with things like gloves, uh, you see gloves being made out of different material, not, not just different materials, but made better. Um, these are, Usually, uh, and I don't want to get into the debate about <laughs> domestic production versus overseas production. This is not the show for that. But um, uh, but you generally see pro stock gear being made, uh, you know, in Canada or in Europe, and you see a lot of uh, retail gear being made, uh, you know, overseas in Asia, um, you know. And uh, I don't know. Just all I can tell you from anecdotal experiences, um, on average. Uh, a piece of retail gear is more likely to have a production problem, a manufacturing problem, than a piece of pro stock gear. It seems like more attention is paid to quality. Uh, another difference would be this, like what I'll call the simplicity of design. Um, you know, especially if you look again at, at something like gloves. Um, you know, th- there are less logos on pro stock gloves than there are on retail. There's less, uh, you know, words and and catchy, like, you know, super uh, hyper fit or whatever, uh, you know, words and logos put all over the, all over the glove. Um, also, retail gear can sometimes have like weird accents, uh, accent colors or, or strange palms, let's say on gloves, extra logos on the helmets, um, you know, and things like that. So I guess pro stock gear tends to be more s- simple uh, in its pre- presentation. Um, another difference is warranty. Uh, <laughs> uh, you're not getting a warranty on any any pro stock gear, um, and you do uh, with retail. You don't really have much of a recourse. Uh, you know, I talked about build quality before, but the, the flip side of that coin is if you buy a piece of pro stock gear and there's a problem with it, there's nobody to call to get a refund, uh, and there is with with for the most part with with retail gear. 
Um, and then certainly, you know, things like certification, safety certifications with helmets. I mean, obviously that's a big deal. You, you're not going to get that. You're not getting a certification of any kind um, on, uh, on pro stock gear. Um, so I kind of decide like piece by piece whether I'm going to use pro stock gear versus retail gear. So for example, um, stuff that I, I like to use you know, situations in which I like to use pro stock gear. I like to use pro stock gloves for the most part, um, for all the reasons that, you know, that I, I mentioned before, um, pro stock pants or shells, uh, depending on whether you use pants or a girl, I, I, I've, I've found for the same reasons, uh, you know, simplicity of design, the build quality, um, it's, it's there with the, the, the pants. In fact, with pants, it's almost like it's, they're more protective. I think if you buy, go out and buy pro pants, um, I think you're going to get more protection than retail pants. Um, you know, uh, one big one is uh, socks. Uh, I'm a huge fan of the Reebok edge socks. Um, you know, the NHL pro style, um, socks, but there, there's a humongous difference between if you put a pair of retail socks against a pair of pro stock socks. Um, I think they're made, first of all, they don't have like that extra logo and stuff stitch onto it. But second of all, they seem to be made better. They hold up better in my opinion. The few pairs of retail socks, uh, edge socks that I've had, you know, that I've bought to like match a team, um, pick up nicks and cuts and tears really quickly. Um, the pro stock pairs I've had have been really durable. Uh, they, they've, in some cases they've held up to direct contact with skate blades. Um, they're just a lot more durable. Um, in some cases you might look for a pro stock pair of skates. That's really only if you, you really know your size. I mean, the pro stock skates are a real crapshoot sometimes because, um, you know, guys will get something custom done, uh, you know, to, to their skates and you, it's hard to even know what was done unless and until you get them. Uh, and, and then, you know, maybe it's too late. You've already, already made your purchase. Um, I, I know that a lot of guys, I don't really, um, I, I don't really feel this way necessarily, but I know a lot of guys, a lot of players, um, like pro stock protective, you know, J Jaffa, um, shins and elbows have been very, very popular. Uh, it seems like for the last, you know, five to 10 years, um, and they make a, a good product. They, or they did, you know. Uh, when they were an independent company. And, and now Reebok, if you are able to get a, your hands on the pro stock versions of their shins and elbows, I mean, they're still great products. Um, they were just never for me. They're just too bulky. I mean, I'm, I'm not a big guy. I, I wear, at best, I could wear their size four, you know, or their smallest size and, and everything is still huge on me. So I never got into that. But a lot of guys prefer the protective. It, se it does seem lighter. It does seem really, really protective. Um, so I, I get that. Um, on the retail side, uh, you know, helmets, I will always buy a retail helmet. I just, I, I, I just, especially if you're going to go buy a used pro stock helmet to wear in competitive play, I, I think you're taking a risk. Um, you know, whatever floats your boat, I just don't want to take that risk. I, I don't know where that helmet has been. I don't know what kind of impacts that helmet has had. Um, I just, uh, I just don't take that risk. I, I go ahead and spend the money, get the retail helmet. It's certified. You know, I guess uh, if I get hurt, you know, if I survive, I can sue the company. If I don't survive, uh, my family can sue the company. I I don't know. It, it, there's some mental, uh, um, uh, I guess, protection there. Um, 
So I always go with retail helmets. Um, sticks for me, I know a lot of people are really into pro stock sticks. I can never do it. I can never get into it. I mean, part of it is maybe because I use low flex sticks. I, I like like 75 flex. So like they're not a lot of pro stock sticks out there, but it's, I just feel like it's so difficult to just find the curve and flex, the right combination of curve and flex that you want. Plus nowadays, the pro sticks are so customizable. Like if you go online and you Google pro stock codes, I mean, you're going to find pages and pages and pages and pages of information um, about how to decipher these codes on these sticks. Um, it's just so difficult to know what you're getting. I feel like if I find a retail stick, like I know the curve is going to be my curve. I know the flex is generally going to be my flex, but like more importantly, I know sort of the like the profile of the stick. Like this is not to suggest that I'm a good enough player that any of this would really affect my performance one way or the other, but it's just, again, more of a mental comfort with what I'm getting. I know what I'm getting. And then on top of that, you know, you get the warranty. I mean, I've, I have one time broken a stick within the warranty period and I've gotten, I've gotten the stick uh, replaced, you know, but I mean, it's also nice to know, you know, if I break it, I get a warranty. Um, same thing with skates. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I already said this, but you know, Skates are so critical. The fit of skates are so critical um, that it, to me, it just seems like it makes a lot more sense to go out and try skates on in the store, find what exactly fits your foot, you know, get it heat molded while you're there um, under the, the supervision of a professional uh, or supposed professional, although I've done baking at home too, but, you know, just as like a, a general strategy for, for how to get, uh, you know, the best way to approach buying gear, um, you're so much more protected. Um, if you do all that in a retail environment, um, you know, because if you have a problem with baking or whatever, it's the store's responsibility. Um, you know, and you get the opportunity to get the best fit. Um, I mean, if you can really afford it, the best of both worlds would be go out, go order custom skates. Um, you know, I, I know that that's possible. I've never done it, but, um, you know, that's available too. So, Anyway, tell me what uh, – I'm curious to hear what your guys' thoughts are on pro stock gear versus retail. When do you choose one or the other? What are your preferences? Um, you know, let me know. Um, you can get me on Twitter, again, at hockey underscore locker or hockeylockerpodcast at gmail.com. All right, so last Saturday, uh, July 12th, I had the um, good fortune of being able to attend the Capitals Fan Fest event uh, at Kettler Capitals Iceplex in, uh, in Arlington, Virginia. Um, the Washington Capitals uh, host this event every year. There's a whole bunch of stuff going on. Um, the one, the main thing that I care about, and probably you all um, care about the most is the annual, uh, equipment sale. Uh, and, uh, the way this sale works, you know, I, I think it's pretty much in line for the most part with the way other teams do their sales. Um, there is a, um, a series of sessions for season ticket holders first, um, in the morning. Uh, this year it was from, you know, about eight in the morning to about noon. Uh, and then in the afternoon, they open it up to the public uh, for basically whatever's left. Um, I got into uh, a season ticket holder session, which I've been able to do the last couple of years. I'm not a season ticket holder, um, but my uncle is. 
and uh, um, ticket holders are allowed to bring guests. Uh, and I guess this year, I can't remember how many you could bring in the past, but this year they made it one guest per uh, ticket holder. Um, so, but we've been going together for, I think we've gone four out of the previous five years. Um, not, not a hundred percent, but, um, so he invited me again, uh, this year, uh, and, uh, it was a lot of fun. So I, you know, in years past, um, I guess what I've found is you really need to be in that first, um, group <laughs> if you're really serious about finding stuff because um the the people that show up to these um s- this sale do not mess around <laughs> they they come with money to buy a lot of stuff um and there's usually an, not a huge volume available although they do a lot of replenishing after each session so this year I was in group 3 of the season ticket holders um, and, um, so, I mean, I didn't really know what to expect. I, I have been in group one before I've been in group two and then I've been, um, when we, uh, didn't make it to our session and we had to go into the public sale and there was like nothing left. Um, but anyway, so, um, it was, it was pretty good it seemed like this year if you were in group one or group two it was okay being in group three I mean when I when I was there the people that I saw coming out of the first two groups were carrying huge bags of stuff and um they were lucky uh you know because it it was good stuff too um a lot of nice gloves and pants um and uh uh definitely the one thing they don't have a shortage of at these sales it seems like is sticks um the caps have a lot of surplus surplus sticks available uh for sale every year and so you saw a lot of people seem like very happy uh with their stick hauls um but uh i i went in this year not really um looking for much to be honest i mean like if something really cool presented itself uh you know i was thinking like winter classic pants in my size which is small by the way so it's pretty much never gonna happen maybe medium still long shot um you know winter classic gloves maybe something cool like that um you know some nice uh sort of recent model um gloves that are hard to get in the caps colors you know like maybe the bauer apexes some something like that uh yeah i thought maybe I would go for that. Um, but this year, all I really cared about getting was I wanted to grab a couple of practice jerseys. Um, that there's always a good selection of those uh, at these sales. Um, uh, and you know, I was thinking maybe, eh, I needed a new visor, that kind of thing. Um, uh, something I might actually use. Um, you know, I'm always will pick up a pair of cheap socks, something like that. So that's really all I was really hoping for. Um, you know, I had some friends ask me to look for stuff and so I I, I looked for their, uh, what they wanted, but that, that was pretty much it. Um, and that is a good thing because by the time I got in, in group three, there was basically, um, nothing beyond that left. Um, on positive side, there were lots of practice jerseys this year. Um, and in a lot of colors, um, in years past, they've had a good selection, but they've all been used, um, you know, so kind of nasty, beat up, 
Um, and they did have some used ones this year. All the used ones, and this is different from years past, all the used ones had names uh, heat pressed um, on them. Uh, and they seem to be a lot of the development camp is the development camp is going on at the same time. So yeah, I guess it was a lot of the guys that got, got there for development camp. No, at least by the time I got in, in not a lot of, a lot of selection, but not a lot of recognizable names. I mean, I saw a Ribeiro, um, (laughs) Jersey that I guess was from a couple years ago that, um, was kind of tempting, but I, I didn't go for it because it was in white and I already had one in white. Um, but anyway, they were all this new, the new like 3.0 practice jerseys, but they had them in a lot of colors, a lot of unique colors that you don't see a lot of. Um, there was maroon, there was um, green, uh, like the powder blue, gray, uh, they had orange, um, they had a bunch of colors. And on top of the used ones, they had a big selection of brand new um practice jerseys which was really cool they had a big table um of brand new in the bag uh uh, jerseys almost all of them were like size 58 which for me is a little bit big uh, but they had some bigger sizes they had a couple goalie cuts um that kind of thing so right off the top i went in went to the practice jerseys got me uh a gray one which that was actually the in in most demand it seemed like um they're the fewest of those left i got a gray one and I grabbed a green one. I figured, what the heck? Let me get get something crazy. Um, so, well, I should I should actually say when when I first went in, the first thing I looked for was the glove table, and that was just decimated immediately. Um, there were probably four or five pairs of gloves even available in my group, and they were already picked up. And they were all I wasn't that disappointed. I mean, the only thing that was left was a big pair of you know probably fifteen inch Easton gloves that. I could probably fit my entire body in, uh, and, um, there were a couple like mismatched Reebok gloves. I already have a nice pair of, of Reebok caps gloves, so I, I wasn't too disappointed. Um, got my practice jerseys. Um, there was a big sock table. I decided to hit that real quick, um, because I was hoping to find a pair of large socks. Um, XLs are, are usable for me, but, uh, big XL plus is a no go, but to my, um, uh, surprise, there was at least an extremely high number of XL socks available. So at least I, I had socks I could use. So I ended up buying a pair of, uh, uh, picking up a pair of the winter classic socks. Oh, so the prices, by the way, the, the jerseys were 50 bucks, uh, which, you know, isn't, isn't amazing. Isn't too bad. It's, you know, you'll see, uh, pro, practice jerseys from a team like the caps go for a hundred plus bucks on, you know, eBay or, or more. So 50 bucks, not bad. Plus it's just great Jersey. Great. Um, you know, great quality Jersey, I think. So I got those two socks. The winter classic socks were 12 bucks. If you wanted home or regular home or away socks, they were five bucks. They had practice socks for five bucks. Um, but they only had white and red and blue practice socks, at least by the time I got there, if they had a nice pair of gray or green to go with the practice jerseys I just picked up, I probably would have bought those too. But I just got a pair of uh, winter classic socks um, or third jersey socks. I don't know, whatever, same colors. Um, And the only other thing I ended up buying was they had a big bin of those nice pro um, laundry bags that a lot of teams have. Um, Almost all the teams have these these big, um, thick mesh uh, laundry bags. Um, I have picked up a few over the years, 
uh, you know, just off of eBay and from people or whatever for relatively cheap. Uh, you know, most of the time you buy them for 15 or 20 bucks at the sale, they were five bucks. So I figured what the heck I grabbed two. Um, uh, one was particularly kind of cool in my opinion, because it actually had, it was not just the caps logo it was the capitals development camp logo. So you don't see a lot of these things coming out of the development camp. Um, I just thought it was kind of cool. So I'll get a lot of use out of them. Uh, so I was pretty happy. So I, that, that was my, that was what I ended up deciding to get jerseys, socks, and, uh, and the laundry bags. Um, in terms of what else was there, uh, they did have, uh, a bunch of skates, uh, still left over. I wasn't really in the market for skates, but I just decided to go over and check them out. Um, they were expensive. Uh, even the most beat up used ones were, I think about 150 bucks. I can't remember exactly, but, um, I remember that striking it striking me that they were expensive. Anything new was over 300 bucks. Um, they were all in enormous sizes, uh, <laughs> that come nowhere close to fitting me. Um, so, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't get them, but they had, you know, for guys who, who fit that, it probably found some good deals cause they were all, uh, late model stuff. You know, I saw some apex twos in there, the, the, um, you know, total one NXGs, like, uh, uh, all, all late model stuff. So there were some good deals to be had there. Um, just not for me. Um, they had a big stick wall, actually probably bigger than in years past. They had a lot of sticks out there. Um, a good mix of new and used, um, more lefties than righties, uh, whether that's a product of it just being, one of the later groups and the righty sticks being picked over more earlier. I don't really know. Um, but there were a lot of lefties. I am a lefty. Uh, so, um, you know, I looked uh, to, <laughs> just to see whether I saw anything in my curve and flex. And I, you know, there was nothing. I actually didn't see any under 95, uh, flex. And those were, I think, Grabo's sticks were 95 flex and they, and they were the, they were the, the, um, the whippiest, uh, lefty sticks I could see. So, and nothing in my curve. So, you know, for reasons I, I said already in this episode, um, I don't really go for those anyway. So I just didn't see anything. They had a bunch of, um, miscellaneous items available. Um, one thing I thought was really cool was they had a, uh, a huge stack of like the name plates, I guess that they put on the pro lockers, um, you know, for, and I, I guess they make these nice nameplates for all of the development camp guys and all the players and everything. And I mean, and you know, I, I kind of flipped through it. There were all so many, several hundred, um, it looked like. And, um, I just kind of flipped through them trying to see if I recognize any pros names that it might be kind of cool to grab theirs or like if the names matched up to, you know, like any of my friends, uh, you know, or their kids or anything, you know, thought it might be kind of cool for them to you know have a nameplate with their name but I, I didn't see any that that uh, matched up and those were cheap too they were like five bucks or less they had some apparel which i really 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 desperately wanted to be in my size um you know they had like the speedwick shirts they had warm-up pants they had um t-shirts uh um it seemed like all the stuff they were it seemed like it was the stuff they were given to the guys who were there for development camp but at least by the time I got there, I don't know whether this was different earlier. By the time I got there, it was all extra large, um, which doesn't once again, even come close, um, to fitting me. They had a couple random, um, helmets new in the box. Uh, uh, I think they were charging about 70 bucks for those. 
Um, uh, I mentioned the gloves earlier, but in case you're interested in the prices, the prices were still up on the wall. There's just nothing there. Uh, new gloves were um, 70 bucks uh, and used gloves were 50 bucks. Um, which is slightly more years past. I think used gloves have been like 40 bucks, but in any event, um, the, that was about the prices. Uh, and that, that was pretty much it. There wasn't a lot there, um, uh, in terms of the, the pro gear. Um, so, you know, I picked up my stuff. Uh, I did check out the retail store cause they were having a sale too. Nothing really struck my fancy, uh, except they did have, um, some of the, the player, Oh man, I'm blanking on the the um, what Reebok calls it, but it's you know their 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 player um, apparel, uh, the the same stuff um, you know they give to the pros. Um, they had a few of those pieces for sale, like the on sale, like the hoodies. Uh, I should have just bought one. I don't know what I was thinking, um, but they were selling like the the hoodies that are normally I think a hundred bucks, uh, and they had them on sale for forty five bucks or something like that. I don't know why I didn't pick one up. I should have. Um, but anyway, so, you know, that, that's what I saw. Um, it, it was fun just to see stuff. I mean, it was probably more fun, um, to see the guys, uh, men, guys and girls, uh, in the groups ahead of us coming out as we were coming in, carrying these massive bags of, you know, some, some people got three pairs of pants and four pairs of gloves and a million sticks and <laughs> uh some people made a killing so if you're in the market for caps pro stock gear i wouldn't be shocked to see a bunch of stuff showing up on ebay uh over the next couple of weeks because uh, there were some people out there that brought some cash with them and brought bought a lot more gear than they were certainly planning on using themselves so uh, maybe you, you'll get a deal and the only thing that annoyed me about the the whole thing was um I heard a bunch of people in line. We were in line for about 20 minutes, let's say, uh, uh, something somewhere around there, waiting to get into the actual room. And I heard a bunch of people saying that you know, it was a third time through, that they had gotten a ticket through uh, one friend who's a season ticket holder, and then they got a second one for group two from another guy who's a season ticket holder. Now they're in group three, and they've got another ticket for later in group four, and they're going to come back. And I mean, like man, um, not to hate on these guys, but it's just like, maybe they could do something about that in years past. It seems kind of silly for me to, to me to, to have people go through multiple times, especially when, if you're in the first group, you've got access to all of this stuff plus more in later groups. I don't really know what the point is of going back through. They replenish, um, if they have like extras of the same item, but I, I don't, I, I, I don't see why uh, um, you know you ought to get a get a second shot at it or a third shot or a fourth shot, but you know what are you gonna do? Um, maybe somebody out there will hear this and uh, they'll uh, think about it for next year. But I had a good time overall. It was fun to to check out the gear. It was fun to see um, there was a a scrimmage, uh, the development camp scrimmage uh, right afterwards. So it, all in all, it was a good time. I'll definitely go again um, next year. Um, and, uh, if you, uh, have gone to your local pro teams, um, sale this year or in years past, and you had the same experience, if you were at the cap sale, hey, I'd love to hear if uh, there was anybody out there who was at the cap sale. Um, but, uh, let me know what your experience has 
Ben. Um, get me on Twitter at, uh, at uh, hockey underscore locker or email me at hockey locker podcast, all one word at gmail.com. Okay, let's talk a little hockey training and fitness uh, for this offseason. Uh, I know a lot of people out there are, are um, focusing on uh, their training uh, this time of year when maybe there are less games being played. Maybe you're playing summer league, but you got more time um, in the gym uh, and you want to want to get better. Um, you want to make make your improvements uh, for, for next season. Um, and I want to talk about the the top mistakes that I see players making, um, and, and sometimes that I make, uh, and, um, how to kind of address those, um, possible mistakes when creating your training plan, uh, for the off season. There was an article recently on stack.com, which is, uh, kind of a, a sports, uh, sports fitness, um, performance and fitness website. Um, and I'll put a link to this article up on uh, Twitter. Um, but it was, it's entitled, um, top three hockey training mistakes. Uh, so I don't necessarily agree with this article word for word, but I think that it does kind of like nicely organize, um, these areas of concern that I I think, um, that you should focus on. and, And I certainly focus on. So first area of concern, um, first mistake that I see people making hockey player, anybody really, but hockey players in particular, I do not think should be training on machines. And when I talk about machines, I mean, these, um, machines that are available, you know, in, in your gym that are, are like, like isolation type machines so with like a limited range of motion. And the, the, the selling point with these machines is, um, they, they target specifically one muscle, um, or discrete muscle group. Um, certainly there, there is something to be said about the fact that, um, a lot of these machines, you, you, um, it's easier, uh, it's harder to injure yourself, um, because it's, uh, the machine, uh, is stabilizing everything. Um, and you're just, you know, you push, let's say in one direction or you pull, you know, in just one direction, it's just one discrete movement. Um, so this does not apply to people who are brand new to lifting or new to working out, you know, or anything like that, or people where it's not safe for them to lift free weights or anything like that. I'm just talking about, you know, serious hockey players, um, or, or, or people who are serious about their hockey fitness, um, and what the ideal is. And the ideal would be to stay away from those machines. Why, why are they bad? Um, one is, uh, like I said, the limited, uh, range of motion that's available to you, um, on these machines. The big problem is they don't engage the stabilizing muscles in your body. And by stabilizing muscles, I mean all those little muscles around your joints uh, that are activated when you are not only responsible for lifting the weight, but balancing, stabilizing the weight um, and the rest of your body. If you have to balance and stabilize the rest of your body against a load, um, uh, uh, you know, bearing a load on, 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 uh, in one direction and stabilize yourself going the other direction, you're not engaging any of that. You're not engaging your core. Um, you know, if you think about, uh, I think like the article gave an example, if you think about, um, you know, doing the leg press, um, you know, the, the, the typical 45 degree incline leg press where your back is, uh, facing towards the floor and you're, you're pushing outward, what is being engaged there other than the big muscles in your legs, um, 
there's no engaging your core there there's no engaging your your back nothing and for hockey players it's particularly important to engage the core as much as possible when you're when you're working out um because if you think about what you actually use in the course of a hockey game when are you ever going to have your just your legs engaged or just your arms engaged and core stability is not an issue for you on the ice it just doesn't happen so um you know the 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 machines in the gym you know the smith machine that's that um like double rail system where it's basically a flat bar going horizontal uh and it either ratchets or or it has like um um a pin, uh, like a, uh, a hook mechanism, um, so that it's supported by these two rails on either side, that, that Smith machine. And you can Google it, uh, you know, if you don't know what I'm talking about, but that thing, that's especially bad, um, for a couple of reasons. Number one is I think it encourages people when they're working out alone to try to lift too much weight because they don't have to engage any stabilizer muscles. They're not responsible for balancing that weight um, they just push it up and down or pull it up and down or whatever, squat it, whatever you're going to do on those rails. Um, and so there's the temptation to add more and more weight to a point where it can be unsafe. Um, and I know that the attraction is, well, I can do all this myself. It's easier. I don't have to worry about embarrassing myself if I drop the bar or anything like that. But I mean, I mean, really, <laughs> you know, make a friend in the gym, ask for a spot. I've never once either myself or seen somebody ask for a spot and a person say no. Um, i never seen it once. Uh, so stay away from that Smith machine if you can. Um, what you should be doing is what you've probably guessed, which is as much as you can, as much as you can do it safely, um, work with free weights. Um, do bench presses instead of that Smith machine or, or that um, chest press machine or whatever. Um, do it with do it with a barbell or, or do it with dumbbells. You can you can press dumbbells too. Um, if you're going to do rows, uh, stay off of that rowing machine, that isolated rowing machine. Do use cables. Cable cables actually basically, in my opinion, just as safe as the the if not safer than the um, rowing machine. Um, and you can get a lot of weight on on a you know if you're in a good gym with a good machine, you can get a lot of weight on the cables. Uh, or do barbell rows. You know, ideally. Um, uh, you know, do pull-ups uh, instead of that lateral pull-down. Um, uh, you know, if you need more weight with the pull-ups, use the weighted vest. Um, uh, do squats instead of leg presses. Um, anything that involves that barbell or those free weights, um, you know, and, and those big compound movements, um, you know, the, the big basic presses, the bench press, the military press, um, squats, deadlifts, um, those are going to engage so much more of your body uh, and you're going to get so much more benefit out of each lift, uh, or each session. Um, you know, you can do body weight stuff too. I mean, I talked in, I think in the first episode about, um, the ZFO weighted vest. Um, you know, so if you're into body weight stuff, um, you know, you can, you can definitely progress with body weight. Um, if you add that weight. So that would be the, the first thing, stay away from the machines. Second thing. Um, I think that, uh, there is, might be, there is, uh, in my observation at least, too much emphasis on endurance, like endurance in, in the classical sense of the word, I guess, and steady state speed training uh, with hockey players. Um, there's too much, um, th there's not enough attention being paid to 
um, setting your body up so that you can generate power. So what I mean by that is um, uh, you, you want um, what I guess I'll call hockey effective endurance. Okay, you, you don't want to be a marathon runner. Okay, if you, if you Google marathon runners, look at Google images, look at the pictures you see of marathon runners and their bodies. Um, and you, you know, you, you will see, um, like, I mean, God, in my opinion, they look like frail a lot. Even the top athletes in, in, in marathon running, um, uh, are just really skinny. They, they just don't seem to have a lot of, um, stability. I, I don't know where, I mean, it, the, the focus is a hundred percent there on getting through that race with speed and not, um, not any power, not any explosivity, all the stuff that you need to be successful in hockey. Um, so the reason I bring that up is why, why then if, um, uh, we know that we need a different body type to be successful at, at hockey. Why do we see a lot of players focusing on long distance running, long sessions? You know, if if you're if you're looking to to lose weight, let's say long sessions of cardio on ellipticals or on treadmills. It's it's just not the right type of work um, to be putting in. Not t- the right type of training for hockey players. Um, in my opinion, the best cardio type exercise. You know, if you're if you're really working hard on losing weight. The best cardio type of exercise for hockey players is high intensity interval training, H-I-I-T or HIT. Um, a, a lot of people refer to it as HIT. Um, and that is basically, you can Google that. I'm not, I'm not an expert on it. You know, I, I just, I just do it and I just enjoy it. Um, but if you Google HIT, um, you know, basically the concept here is, uh, you know, you, rather than moderate effort in a steady state over time. So, running five or six miles an hour for 30 minutes or an hour rather than something like that you go for shorter periods of time so call it 15 minutes 20 minutes of alternating maximum intensity um, with rest or um, or moderate intensity so you know maybe you're on the treadmill you know if that's your thing and you're walking you know at a brisk pace of say four miles an hour and then you bump it up for 30 seconds or a minute to, you know, really high nine, 10 miles an hour, something where it's like almost a sprint. Basically you're going all out 30 seconds or a minute, shut it down, go back down to the walk, um, back up again, back down, you know, doing that for eight, eight intervals, 12 intervals, whatever, whatever works for you. People do that kind of thing outside with sprints. Uh, obviously that that's easier to set up. All you need is a tracker or a road or whatever. Um, you can do intervals on bikes. You can do intervals on, uh, elliptical machines. You can do it, uh, on, you know, recumbent bikes. Um, you know, if you want to be sitting back, um, in the gym, um, I think that if you go online and you look at the research and you look at the evidence, um, it is the best overall system for fat burning if that's your goal but it's also the best system for developing power and explosiveness on the ice because if you look at what we do as hockey players you know we're getting out for a shift 45 seconds or a minute long uh and then we're getting off and we're sitting down on that bench that's what we have to train our bodies to be able to do over and over and over again um during the course of a game you know i've had sessions where and this is overkill, so I don't particularly recommend this, but, you know, it's just kind of like for, for whatever, you know, just, just for enter- my own entertainment, I guess. Uh, you know, I'll be on the treadmill and I'll say, all right, so this is my program. I'm doing a game. 
I'm doing a men's league league game, which is 45 minutes long. I'm going to hit it hard for a minute. Uh, that's my shift that I'm going to rest for two minutes. Um, that's my rest on the bench. And then I'm going to hit it again hard for a minute. Um, and just, just to just have that feeling of all out intensity and, and then rest and then all out intensity and rest. Um, and I think it translates. So if that's something you're interested in, check out hit training, high intensity interval training. Um, and, uh, and let me know what you think of it. Um, last area, uh, uh, the mistake that I see a lot of people making is they are not training to be hockey players. They are training to be bodybuilders. Um, so, um, you know, I, I absolutely am a believer now. I wasn't for a while. I mean, I didn't understand it for a long time, but I'm now an absolute believer in uh, weightlifting um, and power, you know, power, like power type lifting for strength. Um, I think it has huge benefits just for overall fitness, but definitely for hockey. Um, but you see a lot of guys and girls training to be like bodybuilders, builders training for the look. Um, you know, I'm, I'm training this muscle because I want this, you know, muscle, muscle, muscle group to be, you know, prominent or look prominent. Um, you know, I, I, that's not my focus. My, my focus is training to be healthy, training to be strong, training to perform. Um, I think that, as a side note, the looks, you know, can come with that. If, you know, the, uh, an athlete's body, uh, you know, is different from a non-athlete's body. Um, and I think on the whole, more people would rather have, you know, the, the athletic body, but, um, I think it's better to come at it from that angle. I I'm here, I'm in this gym today to get better at X, you know, to get, be better at hockey, to perform better, to be healthier, to feel better. Um, I, I don't think it's healthy to, to be obsessed with the way you look and it's certainly not good, um, for hockey players. So that said, I don't believe personally in completely separating, um, stamina and strength, um, stamina and speed and strength, uh, workouts. Um, you know, bodybuilders will go in and they'll be like, I'm having a, I'm having an chest day. <laughs> I'm having an upper chest day on Monday. On Tuesday, I'm having a lower chest day. On Wednesday, I'm having a left bicep day. You know, the, the, it, there's this like obsession with these individual muscles. Um, I don't think we should have that. I think that we should combine um, uh, in, uh, um, uh, speed training, explosiveness training with the strength training. I think all of the gains in terms of the way you look and feel all come along with that. Um, you know, and in the same vein, uh, it's really important to strike a balance between emphasizing an area that you need to work on. I think it's fine to emphasize an area that you need to work on. Um, but you have to be careful not to overtrain. Um, you know, one area that this really applies to for hockey players is, is in leg training. Um, you know, I, the, there's a lot, I've personally been tempted to overtrain the legs because especially in the off season, because I feel like with hockey, you feel such a direct correlation between how strong your legs are in a given time and how well you're able to skate, um, both in terms of speed and stability, uh, on the ice. Um, so, but, but you have to be very careful because it's very easy to overwork the legs. And especially if you're playing and practicing at the same time, you know, you, you have to sit down and kind of make a schedule in order to avoid, uh, that scenario i mean i just had this happen the other night i kind of blew it with my schedule um i did um deadlifting 
and I felt it. Uh, uh, I did deadlifted the, the morning of a game that night. I just don't really know what I was thinking. I kind of had a brain lapse and, um, uh, I felt it during the game. It wasn't pain. I mean, I, I lifted safely, but I was sore, uh, and it affected my performance, you know, significantly. So, uh, you have to be careful with, with all that. Um, so anyway, I, I want to hear from you. Uh, let me know what your plan is for this off season. What do you, what do you think about, first of all, anything I just said, love to know if anyone agrees, disagrees. Um, if you see, uh, other mistakes you see people making or yourself making, and you want to know, um, how to design the most successful program, uh, for yourself this off season, let me know. Uh, once again, on Twitter, it's at hockey underscore locker or hockey locker podcast at gmail.com. All right, well, that's it for episode three of the Hockey Locker podcast. Uh, I hope you enjoyed talking about gear, and I hope you got some information or some ideas uh, to use in your off-season training. Uh, please let me know what you think of the show, uh, and especially let me know what you'd like to hear discussed uh, on upcoming episodes. You can reach me at hockey underscore locker on Twitter uh, or at hockeylockerpodcast at gmail.com. Some of those that work forces Draw the same that